This is A is for Adversity, a podcast about curating your life stories to connect more deeply with others. Some stories may have Christian undertones, and all stories will involve a realization or transformation of some sort. I'm your host, Jen Banks. This is episode N, Not So By Myself, with author Peyton Garland. I'm excited to share with you my conversation with Peyton this week. I met Peyton through a website called Podmatch, where you can schedule interviews with guests who have similar podcast goals or similar messages that they're sharing with the world. It's a great resource to find people who would be a good fit for your show or your needs. Her story is one of loneliness, which I believe we can all relate to at one period or another of our lives. Hello. Hi, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. And where do you live? So we live in Fountain, Colorado, which is like an hour and a half south of Denver. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I'm in near Salt Lake, so Utah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, so we're not too far away then. Sweet. Yeah, that's cool. I know I interviewed someone just recently that was from Canada, and I said, wow, I didn't even realize my first international <laughs> right. one. So, so it's that's cool awesome. to find out where people are. Right. Yeah. So that's so cool that you wrote a book. Yeah. Yeah, not so by myself. That's a clever title. I like it. If you don't mind, Thank I'll you. title this uh, episode "Not So By Myself." Unless go for it. Yeah, okay. No, use it. I don't care. Cool. Sounds I good. I think that's great. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that that story that prompted the book. Yeah. So my husband is a pilot, but that's not how things started when he and I got married. He actually had a fantastic job as a sales rep for the Atlanta Falcons football team. We were living in Georgia at the time. And he comes home out of the blue one day and is like, hey, babe, I think I want to be a pilot. And I was like, what? (laughs) This is not something we've discussed, which it's a wonderful career, but it does require almost a year of flight school. You Mm. can't work at the time. I was working three jobs to get him through flight school. Yeah. So So we financially, we took a huge cut. I started working literally triple what I had. And then when he finished flight school, this was before COVID. So where there were still a lot of pilots, they weren't turning around, just scraping for them. So the only airport that had a job available when he finished flight school was in Indiana and -hmm. we were in Georgia. And so we'd only been married like a year and a half and he up and moves to Indiana Mm -hmm. and I'm in Georgia and we just moved to a new town in Georgia for a new job for me. So I don't know my neighbors. I don't know my coworkers. I've never been that far away from my family. Like I was no longer where I could just take a day trip to see them. Oof. I knew nobody. And the one person I knew was now gone. And so it was just this battle of loneliness mixed with some undiagnosed OCD. Mm. And just that season of loneliness really prompted me to dig deep into my faith, uh, to dig deep into taking care of my mental health. That's actually how I ended up going to therapy. So it's just this big season of loneliness that actually turned into some really good growth. Mm, Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, when we have nowhere else to turn, our faith is so, yeah, so foundational in that because it's the one thing we can turn to when no one else is there. So that's awesome. Was there a moment of realization or transformation within all that that you noticed? Yeah, so yeah, I I was a Christian school kid. So I grew up knowing all the answers to all the things all the time, but I also grew up in a very legalistic church setting. It was very much about rules. 
It was very much God is judge, but not really love uh, until you complete the checklist. He is not love. So you, you don't get to tap into that until you've performed at a certain level. So I, I was still at 23, 24 while my husband was gone. I was still battling, trying to figure out who I believed God was. And it was in that season of loneliness. There was, there was one night when I, I was just not okay at all. And, and I finally, I just had a very honest prayer with God where I, I just said, what are you doing? Like this, is, I'm not okay with what you're doing. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere, but I am not okay. And I just feel like you should know that. And so this, that was kind of where the pendulum swung things switched because for the first time in my life, I approached God, just hoping he was love, just hoping if I came as messy as I was, he would stay. And he did. Mm -hmm. And so in that season, that prayer, like that five second messy prayer was definitely when things switched for me. Wow. That's incredible. Oh, I love it. And in your book, is that what you talk about a lot is just turning to God and how, how that helped or kind of give us a little synopsis of your book? Yeah. So not so by myself is definitely about my husband being gone. It's about me finally coming to grips with my mental health. And it's about me really breaking down those barriers of legalism that I'd had my whole life and didn't even really understand I had. So it's kind of a combination of those things. Um, but it's also growing up in a legalistic church. I wanted to make sure my story didn't come off too churchy. Mm-hmm. So even if you're a non-believer, you know, if that's not your thing, that there's still so much to tap into about mental health relationships, prioritizing, prioritizing self-care, but also making sure that there is some selflessness in there, that there is a beauty to service and selflessness, even when you're going through a hard season. Mm. I like that balance. Yeah, that's good. With your book, what caused you to want to share all that with others? Was it to help others find light or to just kind of get your story written down? Yeah. when So Josh was gone in Indiana for about four months until an airport opened up in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And so when he got home, I started finally getting able to like turn around and look at the journey I'd been on. And I started thinking to myself, someone else might need to know this, hear this. I am a military brat. I feel like my mom might've been able to tap into some of this, you know, 20 years ago. And I, I, it was definitely a Holy spirit thing. I just, I kept feeling the nudge, feeling the nudge. And I kept talking about it and talking about it, but not writing it. And finally, one day, Josh was like, if you don't write this book, go write the book. You've talked about it. You should do it. So I start writing it in February of 2020, three weeks before the whole world is experiencing loneliness on its own scale. So like there was definitely a God timing that I had no way of foreseeing. So that was, it's a bittersweet thing. Um, Quite the marketing pitch of, Hey, the whole world's lonely. (laughs) Go buy my book. But, but that was a blessing too, that there's a lot about loneliness and isolation that I think so many people now can relate to in a way they never expected to. So true. Wow. Yeah, that is perfect timing. Wow. What is one of your favorite inspirational quotes? Ah, one of my favorite (laughs) inspirational quotes is it's, I don't, I don't know if it's haughty of me to say, but it's, it's one that I kind of came up with myself in this season. And it's something that I keep reminding myself of and it's perfection and grace cannot coexist. Mm. And so that's what I keep telling myself is someone who grew up as a church, you know, a, a church goer is a Christian school kid. Perfectionism was rooted deeply in me, especially in a legalistic church. 
but there's a grace to God that is so beautiful and it frees you from perfection. But I have to remind myself of that constantly that perfection and grace cannot coexist. Hmm. So that is just, that's a mantra I didn't mean to come up with, but I almost did for my own mental health. And so I don't know if I get to pick myself as my inspirational quote, but that is my go-to at day in and day out. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah. Especially because perfection isn't attainable. Like we need God. We, mm-hmm. we can't do it on our own. So that's a great reminder. I love that. Right. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And that's so cool. I feel like I always try to write my own quote, you know, but it's really hard, but maybe in a season of adversity, that's when inspiration comes. Oh yeah. So. yeah. It happens. You're, you're right. not trying, but you, you find little mantras to get you through each day. Yes. So true. So with your OCD, was that kind of what it was, was perfectionism or I don't know that I was just curious. Yeah. So OCD is, it's very misunderstood and it's very stereotyped. So a lot of people think you just, you have to color coordinate your clothes. Your, your car is super clean. I have, I'm convinced I have like gnomes living in my car somewhere. My car is disgusting. I do not color coordinate my clothes. It's, it's for me, it's what's called intrusive thought OCD. So it's where you obsess over unhealthy thoughts that your brain has, and you can't let them go. And the compulsive part is you have a compulsion. So for me growing up in such an unhealthy church culture, I have what they call mental thoughts and taboo rituals, OCD, which is also called religious OCD. So if I feel like I have a really bad thought or my credit card came in the mail and it had like the six, six number and I panicked and wanted to like send it back. I didn't want that card. It's when there's really unwanted thoughts around religion for me. And the compulsion is, Oh, I got to go pray. I might've messed up and don't even know I messed up. And so it's this compulsion that follows through with an obsession. And that's the disorder is you, you almost lose your ability to function healthily because your body follows your brain's thought and they're always unwanted and they're always not true. But that's, that's kind of the monster of OCD is it knows what's most important to you. And that's where it's going to play with your brain. So I also have contamination OCD, which is the more understood one where I wash my hands all the time. I, I shoes freak me out because your the bottom of your shoes touch everything, which does follow through with lots of sanitizing in my house. I have Clorox wipes everywhere. But with OCD, the, the compulsion is what makes it so much different than just, oh, you're kind of a worrier. Like now I have to wipe my whole house down rather than just going up paint and you're okay. Like it's it shoes, you're fine. Mm. So that, yeah, so OCD, it, it's a tough thing. And when you're by yourself and, and those thoughts are kind of the only thing that's in the room with you, it's a lot to handle. And I think, unfortunately, the church hasn't talked a lot about mental health. I've never heard a whole sermon or even a Bible study series on mental health. So it was something where I was like, this is very real in my life, but so is my faith. So I've got to figure out how these two intersect. And so that's kind of another part of the book is my journey to understanding the relationship between those two. Hmm. Yeah, that was very insightful. I learned a lot. That that was good. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like finally the world is just starting to get more aware of mental health and treatment and things like that. So yeah, it's good to hear all of it. With my podcast, I have different themes for each season. So my first season was thought work and, you know, positive thoughts, you know, so that's cool there too, where I just started learning that there were thoughts that were untrue or things. If you were thinking them, you could let go of them if they weren't serving you. And so that ties right into that where, you know, of course, a diagnosis with that, it's, it's further than just changing your thoughts, you know, but right, right. But 
still it connects with that. And then this season is storytelling and then next season's going to be empowerment. So that's cool. I feel like everything you've talked about is just goes right along with yeah. what I'm trying to share with the world. So no, I love that. I'm actually, um, here and we, my husband and I've only been in Colorado for like a few months and they have this thing out here that they don't in Georgia, which is called neurofeedback. And I'm going to go, it's like a doctor's appointment. It's almost an experiment. I'm kind of my own guinea pig. So I'll go in and they'll put all these little sticky probe wire things on my brain. Hmm. And they're going to run a complete scan of my brain while they're showing me images of like different things. And those reports come back and tell me which part of my brain is impacted the most by OCD. Hmm. And when we understand, oh, it's her frontal cortex. Oh, it's her ventral stratum in the back of her brain then we can get the therapy and the medication even more honed to exactly what's going on. So that's kind of a newer science, but it's having great results. So I'm really excited to go in and see how we can maximize some, some good therapy and, and what works for my brain. Yeah. That's so cool. Technological and science advancement. Ah, that's wonderful. A modern miracle. Yes. So true. Got it. Well, thank you so much for meeting with me. This was so yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. Honored yes. to be here. We'll talk yeah. soon. Sounds good. Bye. Okay, bye. Don't forget about my upcoming live storytelling show on November 11th. If you're anywhere in the area of West Jordan, please, please come. It'll be from 7 to 8 p.m. There will be six fabulous storytellers, prizes, food, giveaways, and so much more. Come for a great night of entertainment. If you'd like to pitch your story for the podcast, or if you want more storytelling strategies, contact me at jenbanks16 at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at jenbankscoaching.